And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence. Collision Specialist. 631 631- Two six one six four two zero. That's six three one two six one six four two zero. Auto Excellence. Jimmy, I gotta take a dump. What? No, I mean I need a dumpster. <sighs> well, for all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental, Long Island, New York, six three one nine hundred dump. Elm Logistics, for all your logistic needs, call 631-299-3595. That's 631-299-3595. Elm Global Logistics, pride, performance, and partnerships. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude, good fucking wine. Yeah. Tired of that same old, same old breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Same old tasting scrambled eggs, burger, that dinner steak, ribs, or pork chops. Why not add a little bit of spice or just a touch of heat to make the difference? Change that scrambled egg with a little bit of Johnny Fabulous's John Cena Sr.'s Million Dollar Jalapeno Hot Sauce. Great on burgers, steaks, chops, and those barbecued ribs. And Nitro's Garage for all your automotive needs. Call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage. Ask for Jack. Do you treat your dog as part of the family? (laughs) Well, so do we. So why not celebrate your pup's birthday with the ultimate party box? Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Party Pup Info, and let us make your pup's party or any celebration perfection. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut, Call us at 1-860-479-9223 or 860-93-GAMES. M&J, video games and collectibles. Hey, 
Hey, hey, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Wrestling Remembered. I'm your Ooh. host, Joe. What a day, Lowry. Boy, we got a cast of characters joining us <laughs> this week. And as usual, my panel of experts, there's a mysterious man in the house, too, by the way, that I can see. Uh, leading off with me tonight, he is my brother from another mother. Uh, he is the Money in the Pharaoh show poet laureate. And of course, I'm talking about the player, Benny Scala. Benny, welcome, brother. Thanks, Joe. I need to real quick take a quick moment and show everyone this very nice non-bowling shirt, which is out of character for me. But wow. this was a, a gift from a very dear friend, okay. uh, former WWF Women's uh, Tag Team Champion, Desiree Peterson, All Desiree right. and uh, Velvet McIntyre. And Desiree, in the words of your fellow Calgarian, I guess that's maybe we, <laughs> from uh, Calgary, the uh, late, great Stu Hart. Hey, uh, Desiree, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> I would get impressions too. Awesome. So a non-bowling shirt tonight. That's pretty unique. Yes. Are you getting paid for this one or what? No. No. Uh, okay. gotta, we're a gift from a friend. All right. Awesome. Next up, we have the president of Thursday nights, the man who never minces words, only beef. Mr. <laughs> Phil DeCesare. Phil, welcome. The mystery man. You got glasses on too. I love it. Tonight I should be referred to as El Presidente, okay? The president lost a loser leave town match. Actually, he was just ashamed of losing in the finals of the 30. So I am a 245-pound cruiserweight contender. El Presidente. Nice. Welcome, welcome, El Presidente. And finally, you may know him as the crooked referee and moderator of pro wrestling. It's <laughs> game show on Thursday nights, the 30. Let's welcome... ESO Bruce, what's up, ESO? Well, we already know who's starting off in the negative next week. <laughs> Man, corruption at its so, finest. Listen, well, while we're here, I got to give a shout out to Phil DeCessere right there with an awesome Sleepy Guy t shirt on that's available at the Monty and the Pharaoh shops nice. on the Monty and the Pharaoh nice website. Nice. Okay, good plug. Shameless plug. We got to love it. Got to plug Monty in the Fowler YouTube channel. Absolutely. Great programming on its ways. Good stuff coming down the pike. Uh, a lot of exciting. Whoever That's printed that it. shirt did an amazing job, Phil. You yeah. know it. And, uh, it's a course, sweet shirt, man. Good quality. Yeah, I got to get myself one of those. I wonder if they make my size. They need like a 5XL, I think, or something. They always shrink. You know how they always shrink, you know? You, you want to uh, talk about big shirts? I, I'm, I have a, a new client that I'm doing some stuff for. He shipped some stuff for me that, I, that I'm printing out for him this week. They are 7XLT. 7XL? Wow. Nice. I love it. I love it. Got to love it. I want to thank wow. everybody who's joining us live and on the replay, especially everybody in the interactive chat. I see all the regular, uh, I don't mean to steal this one, players out there. Maria, Beth, everybody joining us. Looks like my Monty chimed in a little bit. Saying, Benny, you got a new mic? You got a new microphone, Benny? No, actually, no, it's the same Benny, mic. New mic, I love it. Love the new mic, Benny. Awesome. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Okay, you got you sound good, right? We <laughs> nice. all sound great. Yeah, nice. Hopefully. Okay, excellent. All right, so this week, folks, we're talking gimmick matches. Um, you know, gimmick matches uh, seem to be the thing going back to the sixty. Well, since the, the beginning of pro wrestling, again. Uh, we mentioned this last week during our infamous steel cage match segment that basically, you know, gimmick matches are just another way to an extend a feud, end a feud. And of course, you know, um, you know, put butts in seats and so forth and, you know, give a different element to the sport. Uh, real quickly, we'll go around the room. We'll start with El Presidente, who's now demasked. Uh, <laughs> what's your first recollection of a gimmick match? What do you remember as a gimmick match? 
Wow. Well, aside from the more brutal matches, one of my favorites would be um, the Loser Leave Town match, yes. which has evolved over the years. And, sure. uh, you know, it's put, as you, say, as you say, Joe, it's put a new spin on feuds, whether it's intensified a feud, right. whether it's ended a feud, whether it's added another element to the feud. And more often than not in these types of matches, the loser does leave town, but usually someone else comes in his stead in his wake. And oh, it's must, usually a must, man of mystery. And we'll we'll take a look at some of those. There people. you go. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Probably the first one that we all recall. I, yeah. I think it's the first one I recall. Sure. But classically done, you know. Uh Florida, Dateline 1982. Kevin Sullivan, Dusty Rhodes in the cage. Yeah. Um, Dusty one is was faring very well. It was a bloody battle, likely on his way to victory. Sure. And then Santa Claus <laughs> appeared at ringside. Santa was harboring gifts, and he proceeded to hand a gift through the cage to Kevin Sullivan, Uh-oh. who in turn used this gift against Dusty. Sure. Leveled Dusty, covered Dusty, won the match. Oh. Dusty had to leave town for three months as the writer in the contract said, "Yeah, and Santa Claus, uh, Santa Claus, debearded, dehatted, and proved to be Jake the Snake Roberts, being very, very uh, uh, snake-like, and uh, yeah, starting the launch of the Midnight Rider, whom we saw in some very colorful vignettes. Uh, yeah. To the t- back when you could play music, uh, particularly the Allman Brothers' Midnight Rider, which is there such a great song for Dusty, and we saw yeah. those vignettes with the campfire and just." Uh, Classic, classic. The right. first of its kind. And uh, yeah. in that picture you have, Bob Geigel has taken the NWA title back. Bob Geigel was the special rep, saying that uh, that the rider has to unmask or forfeit the title. And uh, as we saw in the wrestling magazines, a great picture of Dusty from behind. Sure. Bleached hair and head and hands. The, the <laughs> makeup mirror in front, the title on one side, the mask on the other. And, yeah. you know, lose-lose situation. But classic, man. Now that, that that leads me to believe that um, ESO there, referee, president, you know, all in one, was the fix in or what, huh? Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Now that w- was a little before my time, but I remember oh. there were a bunch of really similar things that happened. Well, the next one was like the junkyard dog, was it? Yes, exactly right, Bruce. Yep, same time frame. And then, yeah. uh, then it was something with uh, was it Tommy Rich, the yellow dog, or was oh, no, it- Tommy oh, Rich yeah, was the that, that was a great one because yep, good one, yep. Yeah, because Ted DiBiase beat Tommy Rich in a classic loser leave town match. Tommy Rich turns up again, mask, bleach blonde hair, same outfit. Probably had the he had I think he might have had Mister R on his boots anyway. Yes. Yep. But for weeks and weeks they jaw jacked and they battled, and DiBiase almost had the mask off a few times. Finally, oh, wow. it settled in a title match on Georgia Championship Wrestling. A rare thing. It was Ted DiBiase versus Mr. R for the national, the Georgia National Heavyweight title, right? Yeah, I remember that. And uh, it was a back-and-forth battle, and Mr. R was down. Ted DiBiase got distracted by Gordon Soley, and Tommy Rich was up at the podium, and DiBiase looked in shock at, at, at Tommy Rich. He's like, how can he be there wow. if he's in the ring? Ah. And before he knows it, he's getting <laughs> schoolboyed into a pinning combination, and what Mr. R wins the match. Do you guys remember who Mr. R was when he took the mask Brad off? Arm- Brad Armstrong. You Brad got it. Yeah, yes, it was. Great. What a great way to elevate Brad Armstrong, too. You know, oh, yeah, definitely. to his first major, uh, first singles uh, run, I think, in Georgia at the time. 
Now, Benny, what, uh, the player, what, what was your first recollection of a gimmick? Well, match? I just want to, I mean, I want to just expound on this one a little sure, bit because, you know, the, the purpose of these this match was kind of twofold. And I want to add one more ridiculous character was uh, Charlie Brown from Out of Town. Your uh, guy, and, Jimmy Valiant. You and, yeah, you didn't yeah. know who that was, Jimmy Charlie Valiant. Brown. But so it served two purposes. It, it, you know, when, when they lost the match, they could come back with a ridiculous gimmick. But oh, yeah. the the other reason they did that a lot of times was because the the you know the loser had a gig in another territory. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I would think so. You know, yeah. Something that you don't yeah. see nowadays. But you know, somebody lost, like, you know, maybe hypothetically, Dusty lost to Sullivan. Maybe Dusty had a three month run up in New York with Vince maybe maybe, maybe they had a court date. Who knows? You never know. Yeah, yeah it could I mean, be anything. Could be any sure. number of things, but it was a way to give them you know some time out of the territory. And then they came back and they were fresh again. Yeah. 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 Uh, so ESO, what about you? What's your earliest recollection of some type of gimmick match? Probably, I would have to say one of the hair versus hair matches. I remember reading about them in the uh, in PW uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Sure. Um, I remember this really, really, uh, it was a, this picture of Jimmy Valiant sitting in the middle of a, of a, oh, of the ring, up. getting his head shaved and yeah. on, on a chair with just this scowl on his face. And yeah. that, that kind of stuck with me. I remember 87, Lawler versus Idol, hair versus hair in a steel cage match. So you had like a double gimmick thing going on there uh, with uh, Austin Idol versus Jerry Lawler, and he got his head shaved. And, of course, Jerry Lawler ended up looking like that. Uh, yeah. That back to everyone, everyone was shocked because it, what, what people don't remember is uh, Tommy Rich actually yep. had a stipulation that if he lost, right. that everybody would get their money back. So oh, everybody's wow. going to the Mid South Coliseum thinking, "Damn, I'm going to see this match, <laughs> and I'm going to get my money back. I'm going to watch it for free." And of course, that didn't happen. But I mean, what a, what a, what is like a twist? That's that was yeah. brilliant. Speaking yeah. of here, here match, this has to be one of the most famous ones I can recall: uh, the Battle of the Billionaires, Trump versus <laughs> You know, yeah, it, yeah. Can anybody remember who? I know um, Trump was represented by. Was it no? Yeah, Bob, Bobby Lashley. Lashley. Yeah. Yeah. And who did McMahon represent? Umaga. Yeah, Umaga. Right. That's right. I was shocked. Uh, and this, you know, yeah. This is kind of my time where you know my kids were very heavily involved in sports and stuff, so I was traveling a lot. I kind of, I didn't step away from watching it, but this is kind of. Um, I, I probably would have grabbed the WrestleMania, but I wasn't doing the Monday Night Raw thing every Monday night and so forth. But I do recall this was mainstream stuff right here. Uh, and I'm like, no way is Vince going to lose this match. I'm like, well, no way is Trump going to lose this match. He's not going to cut his hair. Uh, but looks like Vince got the uh, the short end of this one. So, And, you know, classic outside of the ring action. Trump actually clotheslined Vince oh, McMahon yeah. down, yeah. Yeah. you know, right. outside the ring. Vince ran into a, a clothesline by the former president, which is Did just a classic it? moment. A pretty decent one, too, all things considered. Yeah. I've seen some, yeah, these, all the memes are out there. He gave him like a right hand outside. Yeah, like a clothesline outside the ring. Yeah, I think he actually, and, yeah, connected with a little bit of a clothesline. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. I have so, a question for you guys. I'm not quite sure on this one. We're talking about right. hair versus hair versus hair, but okay. uh, WrestleMania <clears throat> 3, Piper yeah. versus Adonis. Yes. Was that a oh, hair yeah. versus hair or was yeah. it? Yeah. They put him on the sleeper hold and then he, uh, yeah. I, you know, that's a good question. Whether they it was technically up- billed as one. Wasn't that part of the buildup to uh, Brutus Beefcake turning into the barber? Well, that's, that, that was turning into the barber. Brutus became the barber. Yes, right. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I, I know that if if Adonis lost, he got his head shaved. But yeah, I thought if Piper lost, that he uh, 
he had to leave. He had to retire. Maybe I think anybody out there in the chat room, if they can refresh my memory. It's wow, been a while. A yeah, it has been. I know that is a that is a good question. I just remember uh, Brutus in there and all that stuff. The body. That was his first body. appearance with the Clippers, wasn't it? Yep, I think I do believe so. They were building up to that too, yeah, because he had did something else. It was another um, situation where he debuted with this with the Clippers, but that was the first main pay per view that he debuted on with that. So, um, what's the under over on Brutus Beefcake gimmicks? What's that? What's I said? What's the under <laughs> over on Brutus Beefcake gimmicks? Oh, How many did know. he have? Lots. Yeah, had, I think he had more than anybody. When I you think, think so. about that barber gimmick, though, it lasted from WrestleMania three yep. all the way on up until ninety two when uh when uh, yep. Sean put Marty through the through the glass. Yeah, so that was yep. actually yeah. a pretty uh pretty long last there. Yeah, but he had about fifteen of them. WCW Zodiac, the Booty <laughs> Man. Oh my lord! Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, guys, I I went to high school with Missy Beefcake. Uh, just <laughs> come on, come on. Smitty says, says, by the way, he says hi. So uh, hopefully she's feeling better. She wasn't feeling well last night. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I heard bad sushi or something. Bad like sushi. Wow. Oh, no. Nothing that's worse still, than that's that. That's still a thing, huh? Bad sushi. Wow. I don't know. Okay, awesome. All I right. guess we get it like at Phillips 66 or something like that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, gas station sushi. You know, living in Iowa now for like the past two years, that is like main thing. Gas station food is so popular around here. And I try and like. It's just weird. I, I just, I, you know, you pull in to get some gas and people are getting fried tenderloins. And all. I'm like, this is nuts. Like, you know, I just I, can't. It, it must be a regional thing. Obviously, it's a Midwest thing, but no, I it's can't. It's becoming more and more prevalent everywhere. We have all these uh, yeah. these things popping up all over. They're, they're yep. full service gas station, whatever's. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a place. Uh, there's a place in Metro West Mass uh, gas station known for its tacos. Strangely enough, it's oh, really? gaining a lot of. <laughs> attention so yeah is that, on the mass pike, Phil? is that on the mass pike oh no this is on route 20 oh, sudbury wayland area okay, yeah okay but uh wow. but right on route 20 yeah well, everything around here goes hand in hand gas food gas and food like cooked food like you can go in there either order lunch to go or sit down and eat it uh wow they, yeah they have full-scale restaurants at these gas stations it's, it's amazing do you do you uh, guys have wawas by you or is it just a florida thing yeah uh, no wawas we have cases no wawas Casey's is a big thing around here. Wawa's is another one where you can get like really, really good sandwiches. Wow. Okay. It, I mean, it's predominantly yeah. a gas station, but they do have good food there. Wow. Yeah, you can order off the kiosk. You can order pretty much anything you want. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Now, what am I? Uh, I remember when I first became a wrestling fan in July of 81, I went to my first gimmick match live, and it was uh, Andre Khan's stretch a match. Uh, of course, these are uh, snippets I got from the Philadelphia Civic Center. Of course, the one on the left is from Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But October of 81, when the, uh, Andre Khan was probably pretty much at its height, uh, Andre coming back from a broken ankle and all that stuff, and they booked this match. The crowd was so hot for this match. I mean, and then again, you got to think outside the box. You know, there's Killer Khan getting carried away. Do you really think Andre the Giant could have fit on a stretcher? And how many guys would have taken to get him out? Because <laughs> I remember watching this match. I had great seats, too. I think I was like five rows from the ring. And, of course, they tried to get Andre on that stretcher. They couldn't even roll him onto the stretcher. And I'm like, hey, there's no way that Killer Khan can win this match. But uh, that was my first gimmick match I saw in person. Uh, then, of course, a month later was a steel cage match. But that was like the real gimmick at the time. It's stretcher. That stretcher was so flimsy looking. I didn't think it was going to hold even Killer Khan. Andre's left arm would have fit on that yeah, stretcher. It was, it was like, 
I was more worried that the thing was going to break when they uh, carded Killer Khan out. But, yeah. Um, what a crazy, crazy uh, uh, match to have and so forth. Um, some of the <laughs> other ones, um, you know, the, a lot of them, some of them are rel- uh, more <laughs> recent and so forth. This one I dug up, 95, the Arkansas hog pen match. Triple oh, H versus Henry O. Godwin. This is from In Your House back in 95. I don't know, guys. What do you think? I mean, was this punishment for the curtain call incident in Madison Square Garden? Was this kind of just before it? Oh, it was before that. Wow, it was like 96, 97. They left, right? Yeah, they in 90. Yeah, I think in 96. uh, Yeah, that's just horrible, horrible stuff there. Uh, If you want to go back a few years before that, how about this one? Blindfold match. Jake Roberts versus the model Rick Martel. <laughs> I mean, a, a blindfold match. match. Yeah, a great blindfold. psychology. That was a good huh? match. I mean, shouldn't the referee be blind as well? Well, <laughs> Danny Davis, by many accounts, he was. <laughs> Ray Charles was the special guest referee. Yeah, ESO, that's kind of ESO, ESO needs to wear a blindfold on Thursday nights. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you well, one thing, one match year. from long, long ago that we'll never see again, but it, it was a huge thing. Actually, asked me what, what, when I first started watching was yeah. the brass knuckles match. Not yeah. so much in the WWF yeah. where, you know, where I grew up, but like in Amarillo, Texas, yeah. it was gigantic. In fact, Davey O'Hannon, one of uh, one of the guests on Dan and Benny in the ring, he won it uh, very right. early in his career, but it was a big thing. That was a very prestigious title. Yeah, it was a championship a- a- attached to yeah. that too. Yeah. So, hey, I got a question for you guys. Go ahead. Well, well the first one of the first wrestling matches I remember going to was, was Corporal Kirshner against Nikolai Volkov in a boot camp match. You know, pretty much a no holds barred extreme yeah. match. What were before that point? What were they called? What was your guys' first like experience with that extreme no rules match? Well, I remember the boot camp match was made famous with Slaughter and the Iron Sheik in '85 or '84. Remember when Slaughter turned? That it was, was a bloodbath. That's the yeah. first time I saw a boot camp match. Um, I think that was a takeoff the Pat Patterson Slaughter match from '81, right? Where Pat Patterson took the boot to him in the a street fight, the alley fight, fight. yeah, the alley street fight. Great, um, great too. Great, great. Wow. I mean, Violent, was, just extreme before extreme. You talk a blade job gone wrong on Sergeant Slaughter. He was just bleeding like profusely, really bad. Uh, I got to rely working. on you guys for another one. I'm sorry, Phil. Go ahead. Go ahead. But um, the I, I I remember this match. I don't remember any details, but the the coal miners match, the coal miners glove match. Match. Oh, boy. That? Jimmy Guy one bloody mess. But what like, what was what was in the coal miners glove? Coal, I think. <laughs> I don't know. They, I think they probably reinforced, uh, reinforced with lead or something. That's a good question. Because that was it. Would whenever that happened, it was a guaranteed bloodbath. What now? Was that the hacksaw Duggan Buzz Sawyer match from '85? I'm not sure. I mean, we could use some help in the chat room there. I just remember that was in the in the '80s. I remember a, a, several of those matches. I thought Jimmy Dunn had one Dusty too. was in a couple of them. Looks I don't like remember with who. Oh, uh, looks like the Sheep Herders and Buddy Rose had one. Jim Duggan versus Hercules Hernandez. Looks like Jim Duggan's had a couple of these matches. So yeah, I don't know what the deal is with the uh, coal miner's glove. What's actually in them? Duggan right. didn't need a coal miner's glove. His no, hands were like uh, coal Hell miner's on. gloves. We'll get a little of this. On a Friday night in 72, Pro Wrestles, Apache Bull Ramos and Dutch Savage. They okay. they had one of those. Um, 
at the top of the pole sat a coal miner's glove, a welding glove with a steel bar taped across with the knuckles. There you go. So I that's what it was. Okay. So I, I assume once you got that glove, it was lights out, right? Yeah. For that? Okay. Um, now, it was funny. You guys were talking about uh, some some other matches. For some reason, it popped in my head. I remember picking up a wrestling magazine in the early 80s, and I saw Greg Valentine versus Pedro Morales in a taped fist match. Those are pretty. Those are pretty common back then. I, I don't know how relevant they were with the WWF, but I remember seeing one in a magazine. I think it was from Madison Square Garden, probably. Yeah. Because uh, you know, uh, Valentine suplexed Pedro outside the ring one time, and you know that started a brief feud, and that culminated in a taped fist match, which I thought was very odd. Well, you know, some wrestlers taped their fists. Morocco had his had yeah. his um, and some guys taped their now they tape their fists, no problem. CM Punk Triple H used guys. to do it all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean that was one. Um what uh, speaking of wrestling magazines, uh one of the most famous ones I recall, even at even in the early eighties, they were still showing it was the infamous bull rope match, Graham and Rhodes from mm. nineteen seventy seven. Um which was no doubt probably, I mean, that picture on the left is probably in every wrestling uh, gallery around uh, with him through and throwing superstar dusty Rhodes throwing superstar Billy Graham over the top rope and literally hanging him uh, created such a prolific photo and front page magazines all over, uh, which was pretty dramatic. Uh, do you guys remember that bull roll match at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, Bruce I, mean, what a huge I know rivalry. that. <laughs> um, they also had a Texas death match, yeah. you know, another gimmick match where, yeah. you know, now I read online that the original rules for a Texas death match was a three count. You know, you had to pin the guy and right. then the referee would count to 10 after that. But, oh, wow. you know, Graham and Rhodes, their, their death match. I mean, they, they, I guess they collided and they were both, right. you know, laying now, down and, and Graham just draped an arm over Dusty and he pinned him one, two, three, and that was the end of the match. But I mean, the, the other stipulations, of course, was uh, no DQ, no count out. You know. Sure. Uh, now, now and, uh, uh, speaking of bull roll matches, what was it last Friday night? Shinsuke and um, or was it last whatever it was last week? Shinsuke and Cody Rhodes had a bull roll match, and the actual bull rope that we just saw in this photo, um, Cody Rhodes brought in. Uh, Dusty Rhodes was the innovator of this match, by the way. He invented this match. And that exact bull rope was used last week. I think it was on Raw uh, with Cody Rhodes' match against Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, the rules I recall in the 70s and pretty much the 80s, because I know Steamboat, Jay Youngblood, they all used to have these matches. Uh, World-class championship wrestling used to have them as well. You had to go to all four corners and touch each corner. Yes, correct. Consecutively, yeah. There was no pinfalls related to that match whatsoever. It was just that you beat each other up and... You knocked him out to the point where you had to drag him. And it was always, you know, you got to that second or third turnbuckle, tap the turnbuckle, and you were going for that last one. You know, it didn't happen. So um, that's what I call it. The pinfalls were kind of weird. That I mean, with, with last week's bull rope match. So I really can't call it a classic bull rope match, even though they say that. But, you know. But uh, ESO, you had mentioned uh, a Punjabi prison match. Yeah, what a horrible, talking. what a horrible gimmick that was. But uh, yeah, that off take of a, <laughs> that off take of a steel cage that looked like they had bamboo. It really didn't look like they were doing the damage that they should have. And uh, I, honestly, I, I hope we never have something like that again. Yeah, I honestly, when I look at this match, I, I, I want to say I probably did watch it because I always watched the pay per views back then. I always thought this this thing was going to break. 
I mean, yeah. giant collie was big. And I'm like, this ain't a steel cage. This is like wrapped in bamboo. But obviously they had reinforcements and so forth. And Batista defended his title and stuff. I mean, you talk about a gimmick. I mean, this thing was like 20, 30 feet high. You could do crazy things with them. I mean, I think at one point they ripped some of the bamboo off. You can beat each other with it. I mean, it was just off the wall stuff. And Under the fingernails. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, who do you think comes up with these gimmick matches? Like, seriously, who comes up with them? The Pat toy Patterson. department. The yeah. toy department. They could sell a whole bunch of those little bamboo uh, cages everywhere, you know? And I can, little I, something I, new, little, little new accessory, maybe. You know, I, I picture the old episodes, Madman and Frazier with those focus groups. What do they put a bunch of kids in a room and say, give us what your favorite matches you want to see? And then they come up with it and they just kind of streamline it. It's it's so weird to think that was actually a match and people had to sit through that match. Um, another uh, the Elimination Chamber match is coming up next week. I think that's a pretty innovative match. Um, it really combines yeah, a yeah. lot of you know steel cage, enclosed, hell in the cell. Um, the door opening, the plastic door that opens up. I mean, that just makes for, you know, and you get the lights, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, that that's innovative. That's taken a couple of matches and putting it in one. So that's kind of neat. Uh, but, you know, speaking of uh, whoever thought of this one, well, let's go back to this one, a custody match. <laughs> <laughs> of Dominic Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, the great late Eddie Guerrero, uh, Viva La Raza, and uh, of course, Rey Mysterio, uh, you know, custody of Dominic. You know, they, it was a custody match, but it was also a ladder match, too, by the way. So you had a gimmick within a gimmick on this match. And look how young Dominic is there. I wow. mean, I, I've never seen a kid that young have blonde highlights in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, and here he is in 2024, you know, still in a wrestling ring. So, you know, you got to you think he's probably one of the oldest uh, wrestlers now in WWE long term. Seeing that he made his debut in 05 with this, a custody of Dominic ladder match. They even used his name. That's crazy. What do you guys think of that match? I'd love to see what would happen with that today. (laughs) Who would you have custody of, though? Who would you have custody of? (laughs) You'd have to have a baby mama, right? You'd have to have, like, one of the divas or something like that have give birth. And you'd have to have some. I mean, that's probably way too close to real life now. After, especially whatever. Yeah. Uh, who's on. the father match? Who's the father? You got might as well. Didn't Mari Povich have something like that? You are not yeah. the father. They should. They should have done that. But they they should have used May Young's the hand that she gave birth to. <laughs> Maybe they should have done the reverse and said, a "Take my kid" match. You know, take my kid. Yeah, <laughs> you lose. You got to take my kid. Yeah, take Here's my another wife, one please, I right? saw online. Yeah, exactly. I, I think was it TNA. Somebody did the reverse battle royal. A reverse battle royal. I don't. I, I. I had to read up on it. You had. You start off backwards, instead of so you know, everybody, jump into the ring. Yeah, you have to get into the ring. That was the goal to get into the ring, and I, it's just crazy. I, I mean, it's almost like a King of the Hill there. Yeah, King, yeah. yeah it it's almost like killing King of the Hill. Another one uh, that's totally off the wall, and and the player actually messaged me on this one. It was these two matches right here? First up on top, Shane Douglas, Billy Kidman. Viagra on a pole match in WCW. And as you can see, the writer in this one is the uh, ever popular Vince Russo. Vinny Rue. <laughs> Vinny Rue with a Viagra Who on a pole match. Thought. And I guess the Viagra fell all, all over the ring at the end of the match. And there is um, 
on the left there, that's Tori Wilson, who's actually, isn't she married to Billy Kidman or was married to Billy Kidman at the time? She was. Yeah. I, and, I don't uh, think anymore. Yeah, rubbing his face and all the Viagra and all that stuff. Surprised Ric Flair wasn't out there with a straw. Yeah. yeah I, I can't <laughs> Snorting it all. Yeah, yeah exactly. And no pun intended, but it must have been hard for Ric Flair to stay away from this match. <laughs> Very hard, yeah. But I'm bummed. And then, of course, you have the... Uh, the oh my god from the the judy bagwell forklift <laughs> match what the <laughs> hell were they thinking with this what did the Anybody? winner win in that match though i don't know and i don't care i mean i i, I, mean, I you just can't get the graphics for it and i was like i didn't even want to read about it to be honest with you um i mean i could look it up real quick the judy bagwell hold on here let me see what i can find Bagwell forklift matches there we go um, the infamous explained Judy Bagwell on a pole match is rewriting history. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it was for. It was in 2000, July 31st, 2000, complete another Vince Russo product. No filter, no other writers to talk him out of this bizarre idea. I, I don't know. I don't even know what this was all about. Uh, it was really uh, Buff Bagwell versus Canyon, right? In this match, that was the whole thing. Judy would have to become his new valet. So it was kind of like, uh, you know, a precious and sunshine type thing, I guess. Um, but with Judy Bagwell. She ended Bagwell up being a champion, too, you know. Yeah. Cruiserweight? Was it the Cruiserweight belt? Yeah. No. I, she Did she have the cruiser or did she have the tag I belts? Let me take a look. I'm trying to look at that. I could Probably one of the tag belts, I think. I think she ended up with one of the tag belts, actually. I mean, yeah. I'm assuming this is uh, right after the heels of Lara. What's his name there? Our cat winning the title back in the dark days, days, man. Oh, man. It's around dark. that same time. Some dark, dark days. That's brilliant dark. writing. Yeah, that, I mean that's just horrible. How horrible. Now moving on here, this was kind of a neat match. Uh, it was you know innovative at the time, but you probably would have got away with this in COVID. But who can forget halftime heat? Mankind, The Rock for the title, the empty arena match. Yeah. I mean, this is not a scene out of COVID days, folks. This is an actual empty arena match. This was actually, I forgot about this. Halftime Heap was a Sunday night show that was getting ready to debut. And what better way to do it than during halftime of the Super Bowl yeah. in 1999. They called it Halftime Heap. Then the following week, it was called Sunday Night Heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe they taped those matches. Was it during Smack? Was it the SmackDown tapings they taped these or Raw? One of them had them. Um were taped uh pre all the matches were taped before or after these uh episodes were taped but uh yeah halftime heat preluded to um sunday night heat which was another offspring of vince mcmahon and those guys but yeah the rock first mankind empty arena match i i remember watching this match i think i don't know who was in the super bowl i forget but we had it on and i'm like you can't hear anything all you hear is them two wrestling and Ah, oh, and the and the size and all that. Yeah, so do you remember this match at all? Yeah, yeah it was a good match. It was a lot of fun. I was, sorry, I was uh, reading the chat a little bit here. Oh, that's we okay. Got, yeah, we've got uh, we've got a lot of interaction going on. We got to give a shout out to I- Ibzan and uh, you know, Maria, Joe Myers, everybody. Thank Elder you guys Bay, for being uh, here. Yeah, yeah, that match was, I think, unique in that uh, for the first time that I remember, a forklift came into uh, the picture, and ultimately. I don't know whether it was used in uh, securing the rock of victory or what, okay. but I, I don't know if anyone even recalls, but I recall a fork truck and a pallet being used in a pinning combination. Yeah. yeah. They went backstage and all that stuff. They went out through the arena. So they actually utilized the arena. 
but looking at the 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 schemat, you know, starting out in the ring with nobody there except you and the two guys and a referee. I mean, that's just so reminiscent of COVID back in the day before they were allowed to uh, bring people back in. So that was kind of weird uh, to look at that too. So kind of a takeoff on Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk having one yes. years before yep, that. Yeah, I, I'm sure they watched that for a few. Uh, few ideas too Absolutely. this one I, this one i pulled up just for eso because i know he remembers he was probably all excited about this one was the Ooh. infamous evening gown pool match at armageddon 1999 this is for the women's or i think whatever title was it called the divas title back then i think it probably was and yeah, that uh was, that was miss the height kitty, of the puppy arrows <laughs> miss kitty uh, <laughs> miss kitty ended up winning the uh title which I do believe she was married to Jerry Lawler at the time, right? The King's wife. Yes. Yes, she was. And she decided to go with the flow and on pay-per-view Sunday night. And she decided to take it all off. And I do recall this happening. And cause my son was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and, uh, uh, Sergeant Slaughter quickly came out and covered her up. They got her right off TV. But as you can see, Jacqueline was leaving half scantily clad, as they call it. And there's a May Young sighting in the photo there. Um, but this is crazy. Tori Wilson was involved. It was just, I mean, WWE was just pulling out all the stops. This is, this is no doubt the height of the Attitude Era. It was. <laughs> they kept like teasing it, teasing it. Yep. And then, uh, you know, they, they finally did it. Didn't she get in trouble for that too? Yeah, she did. Um, I think, I do believe, well, she got reprimanded backstage. I do recall that. I mean, and I think Lawler got reprimanded for it too. Yeah, there was a couple of stories going around saying that she was actually going to do that, and they told her not to do that. But and based on her comments and the stuff I've read about, she was so wrapped up in the excitement, the crowd was reacting to her, which is probably the biggest uh, ovation she's ever gotten. Um, and she just went with the flow and just took everything off. And it was really a three-second scene because Slaughter was right there with the robe to cover her up because they knew it was going to happen. So to be reprimanded for something that they already knew was going to happen when, you know, she already said it was going to happen. It's kind of, you know, looking back on it now is like, was it a work? It most likely was. Um, but obviously nothing like that would be ever take place <laughs> nowadays. What do you guys think of that? You think that could happen nowadays? Not Sad. until we get well, <laughs> raw rated R on Netflix. Right. You never know what's going to happen. Although yeah. they, they didn't have to worry about the True, public yeah. decency laws and stuff like that. Yeah, that brings up a whole another platform. Where, you know, that's something I'd like to get into at, at one point on one of these shows is what will Raw be like on a streaming network? I mean, are we still going to have PG or PG-13? Are we going to get the swears back? Are we going to get, you know, some of the, I don't know, you know, they do scissor me now and AEW. Are we going to get that type of stuff? Suck it. They don't even say suck it anymore on WWE television, not because it's a, it's a, uh, um, degeneration X thing. It's just, they can't do it. Uh, you know, the networks are so strict now. We don't even get to hear the fans yell bullshit or, you know, F you or whatever without them blocking it out. And it ruins the whole scene. Well, they, yeah. we say that, but then when I was at the uh, arena, uh, the last uh, pay-per-view or last row, I went to at MSG not too long ago. Okay, they had everybody getting up and the kids getting up and doing their best uh, cross chops on their, you know. Yeah. So yeah, they're still I, I, using it; they're just not using it on TV. Right. Yeah. 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 In house shows, I can see it happening all the time. Sure. I just, 
you know, to me, the crowd, you pay for that ticket, you get to do what you want. I hear so many stories now that they confiscate signs. Yeah. They tell people to sit down. They actually move people if they, if they, you know, it's like the WWE is trying to control everything. And I think we talked about this on the 30 the other night or two weeks ago. Uh, Carmelo Hayes came out after turning on Trick Williams and they were swearing so loud. They had to tell the crowd to stop swearing because they were going to cut the the feed. You know what? You're paying. You're you're paying. You're you're part of the show. You're 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 actually paying to be part of the show. I I think that's that's going a little bit too far because it it disrupts the segment. You see it with Cody Rhodes in his segments. Uh, You see it with CM Punk. You know, you're probably going to see it tonight on SmackDown with The Rock coming back. I mean, are they going to – is the whole thing just going to be edited out where you just don't hear anybody anymore? I mean, it's it's too bad that we're getting to this point in wrestling now that they have to do that. Betty, what are your thoughts, Betty? What are your thoughts? I think that'll change, you know, once once they, they go to Netflix. I think we'll see a, yeah. a lot more – you know, a lot edgier product will be – you know, yeah. we might even start seeing some color again. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, ESO. What do you think? You, I think you're going to say something, right? Yeah. Well, when they move over to Netflix, I think everything, all, all bets are off on on what's going to yeah. happen. Uh, I think they're going to use SmackDown as their platform for their uh, PG and less, and then you know Raw push the boundaries a little, like WWE used to. Right. And and uh, SmackDown is the yeah. USA Network too. So you know that's going to be they're going to be obviously got their hands tied. Go ahead, Phil. I'm sorry. Oh no, that's all right. I was just going to say, what better way to uh, to build up for this, you know, this big change than to actually tamp down on everything now, rein it in a little bit, so sure. that when the move comes and when the new program airs with all the new green lights, I mean, it's yeah. going to be that much more dramatic. So I think that in the process of reining it in, downshifting a little bit too, just to yeah. Uh, yeah, create they- that explosion, you know? Yeah. Just like WrestleMania, you gonna what do we expecting? What ninety thousand people again? I don't even know how many people Philadelphia is gonna be able to hold. Probably seventy thousand, eighty thousand, maybe tops. You know they're gonna be chanting something um, derogatory at some point. What are they gonna do then? I know they'll be on they'll be on Peacock, but like, are they gonna blank it out? I mean, this is live TV. Day, really? Yeah, but they, well, they do that already. They they will. Right. They'll tamp down the crowd noise in certain ways, and then they'll pump in the the cheers where they want to, the yeah. the chance that they want to. You know, yeah, it's that's, that's too bad. That's too bad. And I don't know if anybody caught the um, Texas Death Match the other night on AEW, but geez, yes, great. Uh, Matt Taven and um, Orange Cassidy. I mean, you talk about two guys literally beating the hell out of each other. Yeah. I mean, you talk. Davies from New Hampshire, you know, Joe. Yeah, he's he's like, right up he, from New Hampshire. He's, yeah, you, you know, I think they're going yeah. from Boston, but he's uh, London area or somewhere. I think. Yeah, you mentioned that on uh, the thirty. Yeah. Um, and Benny, as you said, there was lots of color the other night on AEW. Yeah, they don't. They don't about. spare the color there. Yeah, they don't spare the color. That, that was unexpected for. to me because I saw Moxley earlier in the night taking on um, FTR. Oh, um, I forget which one it was, but. They were headbutting each other. They looked like they were trying to rip each other open with their bare hands. And I yeah. think if that match went on past the time limit or past the time, that they probably would have done it because their foreheads, their heads look like they're about to explode. Moxley already has a lot of damage up there with scar tissue and all that. So they look, they were throwing some haymakers. And I'm thinking, boy, this looks like shades of Rhodes and Flair back in the day where, you know, one shot to the head, Abdul the Butcher, same thing. All it takes is one shot to the head and you're busted open. I thought for sure I was going to see that the other night on AEW. You know, so. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, for sure, man. 
Yeah. Know, they're giving away this stuff for free, though. I mean, I think that stuff yeah. really should be saved. I mean, that match really, it was overkill for the for the show it was on. Right. I Yeah, true. I mean, but I think they're doing it. For, the ratings have not, it's a steady decline, I think, with yeah. AEW's ratings. And how much more are, we, are they going to keep up with the Friday night um, rampage and the collision on Saturdays? I mean, the ratings are not great. Um, I know that. Did, you, that, see, did you see that micro brawler show or uh, what do they call it? Little little brawlers. On I don't want it. I haven't seen. They it. actually did more ratings than uh, AEW. Wow. See, I mean, how does Tony Khan justify spending that kind of money? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Then again, it's Warner Brothers Discovery that's pitching and putting some of this bill right. They're on. They're on TBS, TNT, whatever. So, I just well, you know, AEW just really a write off for his father. Uh, probably, you know, Jacksonville still, again, hasn't gone to the Super Bowl. I don't know how much money they're going to be sinking into the Jaguars this year, but, mm. uh, you know, you, money breeds money, but who knows? Um, but then again, I'm looking at March now. March Madness is just a couple of weeks away when you think about it. I mean, they're going to preempt it. They're going to be null and void in March a lot uh, for Friday and Saturdays. They're lucky with Dynamite on Wednesday. Yeah, Collision and Rampage, they're going to take a beating in the whole month of March because you, you got March Madness. They dominate yeah. the TBS and TNT that whole month, especially on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays. So I, I don't see how they can recover from this after March Madness. I don't know. That's that's a story for another time. I know we're uh, going off on other you, you know there are more vasectomies during the uh, during March Madness than any time of the year, right? <laughs> no. I'm surprised that hasn't been a, a, a gimmick match. Loser gets a vasectomy. Uh, yeah, there you go. Loser gets a vasectomy, <laughs> yeah. Or maybe winner gets one. I don't know. The player, uh, you're awful quiet down there. What's going on? Yeah, I would say the title for that gimmick match would be It Won't Be Long Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one of the one of my favorite gimmick matches was the I Quit match. Oh, and there yeah. were a, a couple of really, I mean, classics. And the first one was uh, Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard, oh, yeah. which was oh, yeah. uh, Starcade 1985. But the thing was that continued. So Magna, I think Magnum's accident was in uh, 87. But he was on uh, 605 Live in early 1988. And I'm yeah. sure we've all seen this when uh, he's out there. And uh, all of a sudden, Tully Blanchard comes out with J.J. Dillon. Uh, and I, I think it was David Crockett was interviewing uh, Magnum. Right. And all of a sudden, Barry Windham joins in. Tully hauls off. I, I mean, and that was a stiff shot that right. he nailed Barry Windham with. Windham went down. And then he hit uh, Magnum T.A., and right. you can see J.J. Um, Dillon just, like, gently lowering him to the ground oh, and protecting yeah. him. But yeah. then Dusty came in with a with a baseball bat and just started going Clean crazy. Up. Yeah. They, um, they, they, and, that, you know, the, the, my point of that, though, was like – and that was very intense. We all remember that, and that's, like, what, 35 years ago? Oh, yeah. But yeah. that was done in front of, like, 200 people. Yeah. You don't really need a big crowd sometimes to create you know? a memorable moment. But it's on TV and it's showing to 200 million people back then, too. So, yeah, no, I I, I remember seeing uh, Lawler, Tommy Rich, all those guys brawling in the studio. I mean, it would be one of those, they'd come back from commercial break and the whole place would be destroyed. That studio TV wrestling mentality, let's just wreck everything. <laughs> you know, that's the prelude to the old Brock Lesnar t-shirts, wreck everything and leave type thing. You know what I mean? So uh, crazy. Wasn't that, yeah. uh, and Bret, Bret Hart versus Backlund, I think at uh, WrestleMania, was it 11? Was that when Backlund well, that was regained the title? Match, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, you had him in the chicken wing, right? Didn't right, Helen right. Hart throw in the towel? 
Owen, I think oh, yeah. Owen Hart somehow convinced his mother to throw in the towel. Yeah, Helen. Yeah. Helen yeah. Hart did. Helen yeah, Hart reenacted the whole thing. The I Quit match. When I think of that, I think of Funk and Flair. Yes, Funk well, and Flair. match that Whenever, the, the cover of the Wrestler magazine had an I Quit match. He's got him in the figure four. That was incredible. Um, you know, some of those matches were unbelievable. Obviously, you know, Terry Funk's no longer with us, but I Quit matches were great. And yeah, the Rock the, versus Mankind, which is the another Rock, one. But yeah, that's you know, if you read his autobiography, that's when uh, the mother, uh, his wife, and kids, Dewey and them, were at ringside, and they had to leave um, during the match because Dewey was so upset, he was crying watching. That was when what 25, 30 chair shots Man, Mankind got from the Rock. Yeah, he had his, they were brutal ones. on the mat. Yeah, his handcuffs behind his back, and he was just keeps beating him, and he's bleeding, and you know, in the documentary there, uh, the. Um, Beyond the mat, beyond the mat shows him, and his kids in, hysterically crying, like I they couldn't watch it, you know. And he's like, "Oh, daddy's all right, daddy's all right." And it's like, you know, they took a, you know, did they take it too far? You know, I'm not gonna say yes or no on that. They they knew what they were doing then, but to have your family at ringside and kid at, at such a young age to witness that, yeah, that, I mean, that's got to leave a mark somewhere mentally. Uh, well, that, they used uh, another gimmick in that match. I think that was the one where they actually used an audio f- that Mick had said during a promo about saying "I quit." Right. They played yeah. that over the PA. Yeah. You know, fooling the referee and uh, presumably the ref and everyone else into thinking mankind actually uttered those words at that moment. When in fact, right. so they just played that, and that's how he got the cheap win. And you know, mankind saved face. Pretty smart. Yeah, back to the Magnum TA um, I Quit match with um, Tully Blanchard. That was like a gimmick within a gimmick, though. They were inside a steel cage during that match. Yes, yes they were. You know, I remember them trying to maneuver that microphone around the cage. I'm like, wait, they're in a cage. It's an I Quit match. <laughs> you know, but I think that was because they didn't need one outside interference. Correct. Right, and Baby Doll just just yeah. standing there at ringside with her gloved hands covering her face all the time really added to that dramatic right. element. I mean, right. and what's more, the way it was mic'd was really good. You couldn't hear any spots called, but you yeah. could hear them screaming and groaning in pain. And you know, so it was the audio was really good for that too. It was a masterpiece, really. Yeah. It was yes. really a, an incredible, uh, and that's why we remember it. It was just so well done. Yeah, one one yeah. Uh, one match we haven't mentioned was the Indian strap match, Chief J Strongbow, all that. Wahoo uh, too. Yeah, Wahoo was famous for that. Yeah. I remember World Class Championship Wrestling did it. Yeah, so you remember those? I remember the strap matches, the uh, the Manny Fernandez Wahoo McDaniel ones. Yeah, those are brutal. Those turn. I only watched out. them in a, on video, but man, and then when I I got to meet Manny Fernandez, he was telling me, you know, why it looked so, you know, like why it looked like it hurt so bad was because they were just going at it each night. Yeah, as yeah, hard as night. they could, and uh... <laughs> you know, that's one guy that uh, doesn't get a, to me doesn't get a lot of credit. But Wahoo McDaniel, he was a he played football, but boy, could he wrestle for a guy Legit his size. tough guy. Legit tough guy. I mean, there was somebody there. I mean, guys like that, those wrestlers back then, I, I'll have, I'd love to walk down a dark alley with them. There was no problem with these guys. You weren't messing with that guy at a bar unless no, you, were, you know, no were stupid. No way. No way. I'll tell you another great match that doesn't get its due sure. is the dog collar match between Greg oh. Valentine and Roddy Piper. Yep. That was those a, yeah. guys legitimately beat the living crap out of each other. You got permanent. Didn't, ear- didn't Piper have uh, permanent hearing damage? damage? Yeah. Yeah. He did. Yep. And I think it was something to do with wasn't even the chain. I think it was something to do with the turnbuckle or something. 
He had mentioned they played it off that the chain did the damage, but I think it was another. It was a weird injury that took place in the match that caused it. But yeah, they played it up like Valentine did something to him. But but the funny uh, thing is, then Piper went to the WWF, yep. and then Valentine followed maybe a few months later, yep. and uh, that's when Piper had his pit, and yep. Valentine was one of his first guests, and you could tell. I mean, at least they played oh, yeah. it up that there was legit. You know, there was tension between Some the two there, of them, right? Yeah, and then they embraced after that. Yeah. That's why I always thought I would have loved to have seen that Greg Valentine, Ric Flair match in the WWF or WWE back then. That would have been awesome because I mean they had they had a feud. No one talks about that feud, Valentine and Flair. They went from tag team champs to uh, nemesis, right? Back in the day, yeah, yeah. So nobody talks about that, you know. Um, That's why Valentine started using those robes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at them, they look pretty much like they could have been the. The, the Valiants or whatever they were at the time, you know, they dressed alike. They looked alike. They long blonde hair, streaky hair, you know, that type of thing. So uh, that was kind of interesting. Though. I thought Joe was going to do the, about the to flag, the, the, the flag matches. I forgot about those back in the, <laughs> uh, back in the eighties. Like they talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, was that Bruce, the flag match flag on a pole. Match? Yeah. Flag. Yeah. The flag matches. I forgot about them, but I remember a bunch of them back in the, uh, back oh, in the eighties. Yeah. That's got hacksaw Jim Duggan written all over it too. Right. He used to I, I was thinking. I remember more with Nikolai Volkov and. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It was Nikolai and Hogan or something like that. Yeah. Does everybody know? Was that the real Russian national anthem? It was. Was, he, was it? it? It was the real one. No it's, kidding, huh? Unbelievable. And he wasn't he right. A good either, voice, right? Nikolai. What's he was that? close enough to Russian. Yeah. He was he was over there in the Eastern Bloc nations. I forget where which one particularly, but he was close enough to being a Russian to claim it. I think. Wow, unbelievable! So, uh, my my grandfather and grandmother ran into him at the uh, at the Jersey Shore one uh, you know, one summer. So I have a picture of my grandmother eating ice cream with Nikolai Volkov. Classic man. <laughs> There you go. Wow. There you go. That I always got cool. a really classy gentleman too. Seriously. Yeah. You know, you know who I had a, a good interaction with when I was young. I was, um, I think it was like '84. Um, I was at a wrestling show at the Garden, Phil. Yeah. And Paul Ondorf was at. I don't know if you remember Halftime Pizza across the street from the Garden. Okay. Uh, Paul Ondorf was there, and I was in line getting a slice of pie afterwards. And he was there, and he tapped me on the shoulder. Me and my buddy, he's like, "I'll buy you pizza," and and we sat down with him, and uh, we had a slice of pizza with him, and he was. Um, <laughs> He was into coaching and mentorship back then. You're shitting me. You know, That's so wild. Like, this guy was built like a brick shit house too. I mean, of course, I'm 14, 15 years old. Look at this guy, like wow. And um, when he had, unfortunately, when he had passed, Travis, his son, was on yeah. Facebook, and I shared that story with Travis. He goes, "Believe it or not, Joe, he did that an awful lot. He would go survey the area and walk up to random teenagers, not in a weird way, but like." sit down and talk to them and mentor them, stay in nice. school. Are you playing sports? Are you doing stuff? And he was a genuine, I mean, here's a guy that's supposed to be hated on TV and all that stuff. And he, he was big. Um, he just blended in with everybody. And we, it was me and like three other guys, uh, Mike and Mike. And uh, we just sat there and we, we just shot the shit with him. And he was telling yeah. us stay in school, play sports, lift weights, you know, don't do dope. That stuff. Just being a real genuine human being. And, I can't really imagine cool. something like that happening today. The way they groom these superstars now, you can't even get near these guys. But yeah, um, 
you know, similar case, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas. They used to walk the streets of Boston and Cosby with their tag titles. Oh, you sure. Know, they were so jovial, you know, at, you know, with their brief run and all. But, you know, you don't hear those stories anymore. ESO, do you have a story like that at all? Anything like that? When you, well, you- I, I mean, when I was a kid, uh, the, the only person I would run into would be once in a while, Captain Lou Albano. Captain oh, Lou okay. was a larger-than-life um person in our area i mean and he would be everywhere he'd be at a mcdonald's and you'd always see the kids he never turned away a kid yeah that's awesome so you must have grew up on unborn virgins goat milk (laughs) (laughs) that was my wasn't quite the rural area you would think (laughs) that was my unborn virgin goat's milk and potato chips wasn't that what he trained all over the chest remember it all (laughs) over the chest I was, I was so skinny back then. I couldn't put anything on my chest. It would just fall off. Now, Every sat there is spilling everything. It's not staying on. I can't get the picture right, you know? He never met oh, a meatball God. he didn't slip on, right? That's so funny. Yeah, right. Slipping on the meatball. Ground. Player, you got, you, did you meet anybody when you were younger like that? Just in a random no, area? No, I mean, but, but in general, I mean, you'd see, like, I mean, these guys were way, way more accessible. I mean, even at the matches. I mean, if you waited outside the garden – uh, back in the 60s and the 70s, you get like a Bruno or a Billy Graham to autograph your, your program for you. You can't do that now. Even um, back in the day, I know Gary um, Michael Capetta shares those photos, but I remember seeing photos where the fans would go up to the ring and just hand them a you know a piece of paper and they would sign it before they got introduced to the crowd. I, I walked like, oh. right up to ringside, my first show yeah. in 1968, and Eduard Carpentier was in a oh, six-man wow. match. Okay. And I just walked up and said, "Good luck, Ed." And he shook my hand. I walked. I mean, nothing. I mean, you could do that. I tried to say good luck to Don Morocco when he came in one day, and he took a swipe at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was patting him on the back. You know the, the the quick tunnel area where they used to go from the garage to the uh, yeah room. I was patting him on the back, and he turned around and took a swipe at me. He was all kayfabe and everything, but I was like, "Oh Jesus!" Like, okay. Adrian Adonis did that to us too. We were sitting oh, really? at ringside once. Yeah, yeah. He looks like he could uh, beat someone up too in his heyday. My yeah, God. yeah. Good stuff. Unless you unless you're Danny Spivey, that's the one Danny guy he Spivey. ran into. They dangerous the Dan, the left hand man, and the Hulk Hogan lookalike. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. The real life uh, godfather, too. Real quickly, I did get some news out of the uh, tragic Billy Jack Haynes situation. He is still being currently held at a hospital. Um, they're still not disclosing what it is, but my guess, obviously, he's in a uh, lockdown situation, which leads me to believe it's a mental psychiatric unit. And uh, police presence at his home today. Uh, where the murder took place. I don't know if this is a uh, ga- a gathering of evidence, and so to speak, but there have been reports in the Portland media and so forth that there was heavy police activity today just in the house. So um, not sure what that's all about. There's still there's still mum on the situation. Um, so right now he's still under hospital care. And as soon as he is released out of that hospitalization, he's going to be booked and go right to jail and then going to release the police report. And, you know, sooner or later, we'll find out what happened in the home uh, two weeks ago. What would we have? We're going on two weeks today that this happened. So, yes, correct. Um, you know, still nothing. And according to the last update from the sergeant in charge, um, he was only supposed to be held in the hospital for, for he said, some days. Uh, looks like we're approaching weeks now. 
So I don't know. It's definitely has to be a lockdown facility. Yeah, I mean, he he had had a rib injury before this. I mean, you're yeah, not gonna be in they're hospital. trying to play that up and so forth. And I yeah. know that is um that's good for a day or two. There's some rumblings. Bill After had a voicemail from him back in December. That's making the rounds. But he said that uh, his wife was in the hospital at the time, and this is this coincides with the neighbor's story that she was battling dementia and had to take care of her. When because I think it was right after she came home from the hospital, Billy ended up hurting his ribs. Um, so in that, you know, that the timeline fits with the voicemail and all that stuff. So, you know, right now it's still status quo, but there was some police activity at the home today, probably gathering evidence or, you know, trying to figure out what's going on there, but nonetheless, so, um, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, you know, this, this is, this could break at any moment once he's released. So lots of non-wrestling wrestling news. I know it's crazy. And of course, making the rounds is, uh, Ashley Mazzaro's quote unquote best friend was on uh, news nation last night talking about the Ashley Mazzaro incident in Kuwait from 2007, the sexual assault that transpired the kicker and all this though, is this lady uh, Piper is her name, a Pipper or something like that mentioned that when she got back to the States and they had a boardroom meeting, she had a boardroom meeting with Vince and a lot of um, um, higher ups on the situation where they chose to, um, not covered up, but just don't say anything to anybody because they wanted to keep their relationship with the the military on good terms. Uh, not one mention in the affidavit does it mention uh, Stephanie McMahon being in the room. And even I reread the affidavit today, and it just really says John Laurinaitis, Vince McMahon, and a bunch of other higher ups. No females were in the room. And this girl, Pippa, her best friend, went on last night the news and said that, no, Stephanie McMahon was in the room. She's fully aware of what's going on. So... You know, that's a, that's more of a less now of, a, you know, what's we don't know what's true or not. But if you go by the affidavit, she's not named in the affidavit, Stephanie McMahon whatsoever. So but my question remains to this day. How did this not come out beforehand? Um, why did it take a senseless tragedy with her passing a CTE concussion lawsuit? And now all of a sudden this affidavit they, the lawyers have had the affidavit since 2019. It happened in 2017 when she testified uh, and put the affidavit, you know, did the deposition. And so but why is it now coming out now? Like, why is this waiting so long to come out? That's my biggest question. You guys have any quick thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know. Money can really gum up the works and really justice can move very slowly when there are big entities involved in the uh, situation, I think, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough gig. I mean, you know, Ashley was, you know, it, 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 I don't know if you guys read this affidavit, but she signed a, she won 2005's D- Diva Search in a non-wrestling capacity. And within a week of signing the contract for the $250,000 she got, she was forced to get in the ring. And she has a history of ring injuries with no training whatsoever. I mean, you got to read the affidavit. It's not very long, but it does detail her account of all the injuries she's had. She's had metal rod placed in her body. She's had broken bones, broken noses, uh, with no wrestling background, no wrestling training whatsoever. So it's kind of shocking when you read this. Like, why would they even allow someone like this in the ring? And Trish Stratus is in there telling her just to toughen up and don't tell anybody she got a concussion during her first match. It's like a lot of stuff in there. So Wow. um, Yeah, pretty sad stuff. But All right, folks, I think that's going to do it for us. Any final thoughts on gimmick matches or anything like that? One that we didn't mention, it was always interesting, was the first blood match. Oh, yes. first blood, yeah. 
that kind of coincides with the tape fist match, right? Because if you're going to hit him first, yeah. one, right? You, you would think so, right? Yeah. yeah. That's that's why I was shocked that the Pedro Valentine match was called a, a tape fist match when what's the, what does the winner like? How do you perceive the winner? You know, yeah. say knockout, last man standing, things like that. But yeah, how about the uh, Bret Hart Jerry Lawler kiss my foot match? No, oh, <laughs> I saw that too. There are thousands of gimmick matches, which led to the introduction of Doctor Isaac Yankum, right? Yes, yep. sir, Isaac Yankum. Yeah, that's right. And the kiss my ass club and all that stuff. Remember those days? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, I want to thank everybody in the chat tonight. Good, good chat going on. Jay Will in the house, Maria, Beth Hopper, Baby Cakes, Joe Myers in there. Everybody's in there tonight. Nice. Hey, Loose Cannon, can you go say hi to him? Ibzana Royal, who's that? Uh, Bruce, you know him, right? We know well, Ibzana. He's, he's, he's everywhere. Yeah, he's everywhere. Uh, he's usually on uh, on our uh, Money in the Farrell regular podcast. Yeah, I've, seen, and, I've uh, seen the name pop up recently, so that's kind of neat. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's also a lot of times oh. on Duke Drosy's podcast. So, yeah, he's he everywhere. A- yeah, he's a, he used to be a Boston wrestling guy as well. We remember him then. Yeah. Matt Holland, Maria, everybody in the house. Marty stopped in and said hi earlier tonight. So, yeah, good stuff there. So, um, yeah, so um, I'll just let everybody know. Thank you so much for tuning in live and watching on the replay. And, of course, if there's any breaking news on any of the wrestling stories circulating right now between Ashley Mazzaro and her affidavit and her claims of sexual harassment by Vince McMahon, and, of course... Janelle Grant, the ever lovely Janelle Grant, who now has author and actor um, on her resume as well, as we saw on the Monty and the Faro show last night. <laughs> what did you guys think of that real quick? Huh? What do you, did you know she was an author and an actress? There's more there there, Joe, I I'm can sure say. More there. Her, her acting career was very, very limited, though. Was it, was, didn't she appear like in a, a Christian film? Yeah, it was a Christian uh, yeah, theory. And in her, her yeah. book... Uh, I mean, now if if I read this right, didn't she go to Yale? She's not a dumb girl. I would imagine living in Connecticut. That seems obvious. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, she went I mean, to Yale. Yale's an Ivy League school. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna go in there with a a 900 SAT score. I mean, this is Yale's a very exclusive uh, university. And her book, I mean, I, I I read a little bit of it. I mean, it's, right. it doesn't really say anything. It's got no bearing on the case whatsoever. Neither does the nah. movie. That's no, just foolish. Is. But I mean, it's funny. She's been a ever since the lawsuit uh, dropped, and everybody's focusing on Vince. You go to find any information on her. I mean, she's gone obviously off the grid. Everything's been scrubbed pretty much, except for the stuff that we're digging up now. And you got to really dig up this stuff too. This she's not very uh, easy to look up. Um, so you know, it is. What I it haven't is. seen anything about this woman that that. No. remotely sounds like a scandal though no i've checked linkedin i've checked all the, she's off the radar and rightfully so i mean i'm sure you know what, what when this thing tra- takes place and all that it's someone's gonna get a really really good interview out of this and she's probably gonna make a lot of money uh just on the interview aspect of it alone so we'll see what happens we shall see yeah. all right folks happy friday i guess all that good stuff any plans oh, yeah. for the weekend we got any plans Nothing work, 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 work. Yeah, working tomorrow. Working tomorrow. Okay. Just prepping for the podcast for next week. Yeah. yeah there you go. What do we got? What do we got coming up? True Crime Monday. What are we doing? Yeah, True Crime Monday night with uh, Dr. Sam Shepard. Uh, Dan and Benny is going to be probably maybe taped on Wednesday night. We have uh, okay. a, a return guest, Dr. Uh, uh, not the, Dr. Harvey Whippleman. Yeah, downtown <laughs> Bruno Lauer, <laughs> who I absolutely love. Nice. And we got our other shows, Dot Thirty, and we got. Uh, this yes, one. Wrestling, remember? We're, yeah. we're busy guys. That's it. 
And I want to, again, thank you guys for joining this awesome show, this awesome network. Monty and the Farrell YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, feel free to hit that little icon on the bottom there where you see Monty and the Farrell. Great show, great channel, lots of new stuff coming your way. I know. Good merch had, also. ESO is chomping at the bit. He's got some, we got some stuff lined up. We got some creativity yeah. stuff going on, you know? Yeah, we've got some, we've got some stuff in the works. Let's, uh, we'll just keep it at that. Yeah. We got to yeah. keep Talk this channel going. We need show. to, uh, yeah, we're, yep. we're pushing. We're you know pushing for twenty thousand. Phil, Phil was showing the pecs there. What do you got? Money in the Farrell T-shirts now available, sleepy right? Guy. Sleepy yep. guy, sleepy yeah, guy. This is the sleepy guy shirt. Pro awesome. wrestling, pro wrestling tees, right? As well as uh, the channels, they sell these things, right? Well, you this know? one's available on the Money and the Pharaoh uh, okay. channel. But if you want, if you go on to prowrestlingtees.com, we have lots okay. of uh, Money and the Pharaoh regalia available there. Yeah. If you look up the Monty family, you'll see the one uh, that Phil and Denny and I are are on. Yeah, somebody's missing from that photo. I'm just saying. I'm just. Saying. We're gonna get Bruce, there. We need to. Uh, there was a great T-shirt you guys had. I think it, you guys had it. It said De Blasio is line is line across his name. Hokel line across. Did you have something like that? Yeah, you. I have. Uh, I I love New York before yeah. Hokel before De Blasio. I love that. COVID, I gotta get one of those. Before, yeah, it was That's all before. It, yeah, it was all uh, those uh, classic take on those. I love New York, but uh, yeah, you know, all kinds of stuff. You know, before COVID nineteen, before lockdown, oh, yeah, in yeah. the seventies, in the eighties. Yeah, um, I remember. I remember the old bumper sticker back in Boston, Phil. Remember, I love New York too. It's the Yankees I hate. <laughs> <laughs> hey now, you know it's like yeah. oh my god, ouch. Uh, whatever. All right, guys. Good show tonight. We're gonna wrap this up. Thank everybody again live on the chat. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys whenever. I know we're all over the channel, so I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and you guys have a happy Friday. Take care, everybody. What a day. What a day, man. <laughs> Later, guys. See you, Bruce. Bye, player. <laughs>